Over the past two years, there has been a renewed public interest in science. We didn't have much of a choice. It was the life sciences that came to the world's rescue in the race to develop the most effective and reliable vaccines humankind has ever created. Scientific advancement like this relies heavily on research funding from dedicated government agencies like the Natural Sciences and Engineering Research Council of Canada, or better known as NSERC. I had the pleasure of sitting down with NSERC President Alejandro Adem to learn more about the role of government funding in research, NSERC's plans for the future, and where the life sciences have landed in the national conscience. Welcome to SBME Interfaces. Uh, so today we are interfacing with Alejandro Adem. Uh, he is a professor in UBC's Department of Mathematics, president of the Natural Sciences and Engineering Research Council of Canada, former director of the Pacific Institute for Mathematical Sciences, former CEO and director of MITAX. He is a fellow of numerous organizations, including the American Mathematical Society, Canadian Mathematical Society, and was just last year elected a fellow of the Royal Society of Canada. He has held visiting positions in prestigious entities such as the Institute of Advanced Study at Princeton, the ETH in Zurich, and the Max Planck Institute. He has served as the managing editor of Memoirs of the American Mathematical Society and the Transactions of the American Mathematical Society. He is a staunch advocate for the application of mathematics for real-world impact, as well as the advancement of cross-disciplinary collaboration, and much more besides. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alejandro. A real pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me, Mika. I appreciate it. Um, absolutely. So the, uh, I mean, the elephant in the room right now, pandemic. Uh, we're two years into it. You became president of NSERG maybe about six months uh, right before we shut down. How has the last two years impacted yourself and the NSERG mandate? Well, you know, it, was, it wasn't easy, you know, to having just started uh, my position at, at uh, NSERG and to be hit with uh, the pandemic. Uh, and I, I would say there were, the challenges were internal to, to our organization and also external in terms of delivering what Canada needed and what the research community uh, needed. So I, I, I'm very proud of uh, the staff at ANSERC for pivoting uh, to work, remote work, and being able to deliver on all our programs on time uh, I really want to salute their dedication, their devotion, and uh, the real, real fact that they care about uh, supporting the scientists and engineers uh, around Canada, the students, the researchers, and all that. So uh, that, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied. And of course, a lot of hardship along the way, a lot of people in our staff that, that, that uh, their kids weren't going to school, et cetera. So uh, kudos to them. At the same time, of course, uh, uh, we had to step up and deliver to the science and engineering community across Canada. And uh, we have delivered on all our programs and I'm very proud of the extension that we provided for the discovery grants. That's a very basic uh, fundamental offering that NSERC has. And we were able to provide a funded one year extensions across the board for those grants. And, and I think that has made a difference, maybe as big, not as big as I'd like to sustain researchers uh, uh, suffering through this pandemic. Uh, now, at the same time, what, uh, what I saw was, of course, great renewed interest in science and what we could do to address the pandemic. And uh, again, uh, NSERC in collaboration with the other councils, obviously the CIHR plays a leading role in the health-related uh, aspects, but a lot of the NSERC scientists and engineers also play a role in uh, uh, dealing with the, the challenges, the scientific challenges 
um, COVID-19 and uh, ongoing uh, um, complications that we're all experiencing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, in, in particular, what do you think we've learned from these past two years, especially in terms of the role of government funding for the sciences? Like, what, what has been the, like, the biggest takeaway, do you think? So maybe something we should take forward. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, that uh, supporting a science uh, across the board, including the discovery research, the, the, the Blue Skies research, can lead to um, technologies which can be fundamental for, for uh, literally saving our lives. So if you look at a lot of the, the technology used in vaccines, <clears throat> the mRNA uh, 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 technologies, things that were developed uh, through by the scientists, some of them at, at UBC, uh, we see that supporting strong support for uh, the fundamental sciences uh, leads to, to those sorts of, of discoveries that uh, can allow us to continue to function. And I should also mention technologies such as the, uh, this platform we're on right now, uh, people take them for granted, but they're all, all based on, on, on uh, progress of science and technology. And uh, I think the issue there is how do you go from the fundamental ideas to mobilize that knowledge to produce the kind of products, the commercial impact that we'd all like to see. That's, that's what we're all about in, in the funding of government funding of science and engineering. Absolutely. Um, so I want to step back a little bit and, and take a look at your career because it does not follow a typical path by any means, which I love. Um, were there any specific like aha moments, pivot moments in your, your history that brought you to pursue more of this leadership side and this resourcing side of, uh, of academic research? Well, you know, when I was young, a long time ago, and I was, uh, I was working at a university actually in the United States, uh, University of Wisconsin in Madison, Wisconsin, a very, very good university, very strong university. And uh, I was a new faculty member. And then I would ask questions. Well, why, is, why do we do this? Why do that? We've always done it that way. Go and do your research. Yeah. And then, well, why do we have, why do we have uh, this area represented? Why don't we have a community for this? Go and do your research. So then uh, at some point I remember going into the office of the chair of the department. And, uh, and then I, I was mentioning my observations. And then he said, well, why don't you become chair and, uh, and take care of these things? <laughs> Literally. And uh, I can say that um, I think three years after that conversation, I was uh, I became chair of the department. I was nominated by some colleagues who were impatient and wanted to see some changes. And, um, you know, and, and, and working uh, collegially with our colleagues, there are a number of things that we wanted to see uh, happen in that department. And so I, I got to see and think outside uh, uh, the box of just doing the research. And uh, I also should say that there were some sessions that were held in Washington, D.C., organized by uh, the National Science Foundation, which is the NSERC's counterpart in the U.S., which were about um, providing awareness to young researchers about uh, issues of science policy and uh, what's going on in the world. So those were extremely useful for me. So, so that's really what, what uh, opened my mind to that. And, and after that, uh, I would say the next aha moment was when I learned about the Mathematics Institutes, where uh, Miguel, I know you know very well. Yeah. And that's when I, I got a call from an institute in Berkeley, uh, it's called MSRI, asking me to be on their scientific committee. So out of the blue, and I said, well, why not? And uh, 
then they made me chair of that uh, the scientific committee. I was on their board of trustees. So I learned the Institute built business. And that was bringing mathematicians together to create new areas, new ideas in mathematics and, and to train people, very exciting synergies, not just being in your office working all by yourself, which was a kind of a classical, uh, classical approach to mathematics. So it, it was, and afterwards, when I moved to UBC, uh, uh, this was very important for me when I, my role at, at PIMS that you mentioned, uh, the Pacific Institute for Mathematical Sciences, where we had a lot of network team collegial work to do among mathematical colleagues. Mm -hmm. I think uh, it, it's, it's why I kind of think that maybe um, you were in the right place at the right time for like being at the head of NSERC when the uh, when uh, COVID happened because that is a moment where we're kind of all forced to think outside the box where all of a sudden now like yeah. we can't we can't do things the way we did uh, anymore so I think that was uh, was probably quite fortuitous uh, on that front. Um, now, uh, so one of the big challenges uh, for meaningful research funding is sustainability. Uh, oftentimes, you know, a grant is just the seed and more funding is necessary to keep promising projects moving forward into the future and evolving. Are there paths to, that you see to more sustainable funding models for Canadian research? Uh, well, um, there are paths. Uh, will we follow those paths? It's not clear. Um, I think what we have is a uniquely uh, Canadian system. I, I, I call it like the confederation model. There are different pots of money for different things. And what you have to do is kind of build them together and use leveraging to create uh, a, sort of a, a research uh, a portfolio for your team, for your group, or for your own individual purposes. So in answer, for example, discovery grants are like the entry into the system, but those grants are relatively small. If you want to do think big, then we encourage folks to go to uh, Alliance. This Alliance is a program that connects with companies or not-for-profits. And those are rather large grants, but those are perhaps for the more entrepreneurial among our, our colleagues and certainly folks in biomedical engineering are hugely entrepreneurial. Uh, now, uh, there's also big training grants like the CREATE grants. So there are possibilities to take off your research even within the answered portfolio. And of course, the Institute the grants are another example that we talked about. Uh, now, there's the interdisciplinary aspect, which is increasingly mm -hmm. important. And uh, the Government of Canada has funded a relatively new program called New Frontiers in Research Fund. And that, that is uh, uh, all the three agencies working together uh, to adjudicate proposals, big transformative proposals, which are truly interdisciplinary. And uh, I think you've seen some recently announced in the uh, transformation stream. Uh, fascinating work, you know, which talk about health, uh, materials, you, you name it, it's covered there. So, but um, that a very Canadian way. And of course, provincial funding is also very important the support that Providence as a university provide uh, to, the, to the researchers. And uh, we shouldn't forget the, the third party organizations like MyTax, who does the mobility to industry, Genome Canada, CIFAR, others who play an extremely important role in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. the, one, the one funding that you mentioned right now, actually the School of Biomedical Engineering is, uh, is, is happy to be the recipient of one of those right now for the, uh, the Bend the Gap project. Uh, which is really exciting. Um, I, I would love to get your opinion, by the way, on sort of the future of interdisciplinary research, right? Like the, um, it, it's, it's one of the big things, one of the big pillars for, for biomedical engineering. 
But the more I look at it myself, the more I see that maybe it's the model for everyone. You know what I mean? Like maybe there's more that can be done there. I don't, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah, you know, I think it's a, it, it is a very important in modern science uh, to bring in the different disciplines from the very beginning to to find answers to problems, right? So so if your if your work is 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 really based on finding answers to challenges in, in the in the world, then you generally speaking will have to be interdisciplinary. So now you can be interdisciplinary in terms of blending funding. You can also be interdisciplinary in terms of blending people. So I I, I worked on some projects with physicists and you know they bring their funding and I bring mine and then we just get into a room and work out on some project, usually with a student connecting. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think there are many different flavors of interdisciplinarity. And also, it also has to do with the career paths of individuals. Uh, uh, learning a discipline to the, to the uh, uh, I would say the limit to the edge of knowledge is extremely important in, in, in many respects because the breakthroughs, you know, think of, think of uh, you know, I know it in mathematics, you know, the level of thought and depth that you need to, to have to make a breakthrough in math, you can't be distracted by whether this stuff is applicable or not, or whether you're working with someone in another area. It's like, it's, 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 so in this only theoretical areas, you really have to build on that strength. But then all of that can be, be mobilized. And as your career path moves forward, you know, and I see it in myself, I see it in other colleagues, they're, they're, they should be encouraged to then share this knowledge and mobilize it either through the interdisciplinary uh, mechanisms or through the uh, uh, kind of just working together and, and, and you know, uh, having people meet in the hallways. And I think that's one of the challenges of, of universities. Well, how often do you meet people from other departments, right? And, and mm. it's like, so these are things that we really have, have to work on. So, but, but it is, these are very exciting times. And, and um, the idea is that we shouldn't be too prescriptive on science. Because really, the scientists that know know best, and the areas you know as they evolve very dynamically, we have to facilitate, get out of the way, and make sure that we support them adequately. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I remember having a conversation with the uh, the Fields Medalist Martin Hirer a few years ago, and asking him about real world application, and he kind of said what you just said too, where he's like, "Oh, I can't think about that." Because he's 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 thinking at such a depth in in what he's working on, right? That he's like, if I think about that, it'll distract me from this, right? It's very interesting. Um, now, so uh, now you've had you know two and a half years uh, or so uh, at the, the the leadership of NSERC. So, what would you like to see for the future of NSERC and any other funding agencies like it? Well, you know, I I would like to see uh, Canada step up in terms of its investments in, in, in R&D, research and development, and, and in science. I think uh, we can do more. I think um, Canada's a great country. We have great universities. And I think uh, we have to continue to, to, to make the case for, for um, a level of funding that can allow us to, to really uh, have a sustainable, as you said, sustained leadership. There'd be a huge payoffs in terms of uh, the technologies, and the impact on our economy. And, and, uh, but in some sense, the onus is also on us, the scientists, to make the case for what we do. If you have a grant, however small, explain the impact. Take the time to explain it in lay words. Maybe contact your, your member of parliament. Certainly uh, uh, make sure the university you work in knows that you're doing something important. 
and, uh, and then show the value and the impact of the work that, uh, that we fund. And, and also at the same time, intellectual honesty, you know, areas which are like dead ends, which you don't have to follow them, right? And, and uh, create a situation where we're all kind of working together to move it forward. So, so that's w what I would like. And I think, I think we're lucky to be in a country like Canada where uh, there is, you know, we know our government is committed to science and to decisions made on science. And we can have those, those conversations about, well, at what level and can we keep on pushing to make sure that we, we are at the top, top echelons uh, worldwide in terms of support. Mm -hmm. well, so I, I agree with you too, that the, I think the, the communication side of it is such a big deal. I've seen, I've seen a lot more, um, especially at least in, in my field, I've seen a lot more scientists leaning more towards that. Like how can we better communicate what it is that we're doing? And I think that's, that's vastly important. So um, actually on that note, uh, going through a pandemic, you know, this is a, a medical issue, a biomedical engineering issue, a health issue. Um, how do you think that has changed sort of where fields like biomedical engineering, medtech, biotech, um, and the life sciences in general fit in the, like the national conscience right now and maybe moving forward too? Oh yeah, well, I think they've, they've risen to the top, uh, top of the list, you know, and, and it was uh, really a bit of a shock to see that some of those areas around say vaccine production or biomanufacturing had been somewhat neglected, right, over time. Mm -hmm. and the, connection to the pharmaceutical industry. And uh, biomedical engineering areas such as those really are central to uh, how Canada will build up, build on the excellence and also build up its, uh, its scale up its biomanufacturing capacity. We have uh, several meetings a week uh, in the government uh, about that and what the government proposes to do for that. And it's a, it's, it, it's a key thing. And, but the, I think what also has been understood is that it's a whole all of science approach. You need the engineers, you need the medical information, you need the chemists, the biologists, right? Mm -hmm. And then the, the folks that are looking at the social determinants, you know, from, from the social sciences. So it's, it's, it's a combination of those. And you can't cut off one area of science from that because you don't know what you're going to need, right? And uh, we have the case of uh, Carl Hansen, right? The Absolera yeah. uh, CEO who, uh, you know, uh, we looked him up on, on NSERC, of course, and he started out supported by one of our USRA grants, which is the tiny undergraduate grant. And then he was a, a force of professor in physics and astronomy at UBC. So uh, you have to have a, cast a wide net of support. We do not pick winners, right? We, mm -hmm. we, but we do honest peer review we care a lot about equity, diversity, and inclusion in how we, we spread uh, the, 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 um, the decisions and the support, make sure that we have, that everyone can benefit from, from the system. And then the science plays in. And of course, the peer review is the, the cornerstone of everything that we do at our agency. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, now, mathematics is your primary passion, of course. Um, I've often referred to it as the substrate science of all science. Um, so where would you like to see mathematics go next, um, especially in your own area of research? Well, I, I, sometimes I think uh, mathematicians can um, uh, be more assertive in terms of the importance of their area and, and also not think of things as a, a zero sum. You know? There are folks that can work on the pure theoretical research and others on the applied, and we should all be supporting and celebrating both sides of the equation. And what we're seeing is that there, there are increasing instances of high, high level sort of theoretical mathematics 
being mobilized into applications where they kind of skip um, some of the uh, kind of long-term testing that had to be done before. Uh, an example in my field is what's called topological uh, data analysis. It started out from some very abstract work in, in algebraic topology, and now it's really being used to look at, at data sets and going medical data sets, uh, industrial data sets, and it's taken off quite a bit. And, and now we're starting to see they're hiring folks with that uh, uh, expertise. Companies are getting interested. And it, it, but it did start from a fundamental concept in the area of topology. And there are many examples like that, of course, uh, across the board. So I think we, we, we got to like wake up a little bit and show that we are important and we're contributing. Of course, the mathematician knows that their work will be applied eventually, could be in mm -hmm. 50 years or in 500 years. And we're not necessarily interested as to when, but if it happens sooner, well, why not, right? And let's uh, find ways to, to mobilize that knowledge. Absolutely. Do you find the time to research still? Like, do you have the time for that, considering all that you do? Well, I, I do have uh, two PhD students at uh, UBC that uh, I advise in my spare time, as, uh, as the government says. And I have, uh, I have a, a couple of papers I've written recently. So um, got to keep those brain cells working. Uh, <laughs> That's good. That's excellent. Okay, well then, uh, uh, very cognizant of time. So I will just ask you two more questions. The first one is if you had any advice for your 20-year-old self, if you could tell him anything, what would it be? I would tell him, don't waste so much time. <laughs> There's so much to do. Hurry up. <laughs> I look back at some periods there in my 30s and 40s that I just wasted time, you know. So I really, you got to have a plan and you got to go to it because uh, life is short. I like that. That's very straightforward. Um, okay, so then last but not least, um, are there any particular initiatives or projects or endeavors that you are overseeing right now that you're really excited about and you think we all should get excited about too? Well, you know, I'm just uh, so excited about uh, all the fantastic science and engineering that answer funds. You know, when I look at those uh, proposals and, and the things that, that, that get funded and announced, in areas, uh, very diverse areas, for example, the whole quantum area is just fantastic. Canada is a world leader. Biodiversity, huge uh, impact. Uh, some fantastic people working in Canada. And I'm not doing justice. Across the board, there's just excellence. And just learning about it and learning about areas which are not, you know, mathematics aren't so close to my own professional expertise. It's really an eye-opener and tells you that, that we really are very fortunate here. We have some fantastic scientists and engineers. And I just wish I could do more for them, right? And uh, we're doing our best. The staff at Antrug is doing our best. And, and folks in Ottawa, I think, they understand the value of that. So for me, it's really a, 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 an experience that has changed me and opened my eyes to, to uh, the great stuff that's going on here in Canada in science and engineering. I like that. Well, Alejandro, uh, it is always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I'm so glad that you have your finger on the pulse of what's going on in government and research funding right now. Can't think of a better person for it. And I'm really excited to see what you and Ensor do next. Thank you very much, Miguel. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye.